0: Welcome to Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dylan Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing telecommunity, the case for it and the case against it, Nevada's new slogan, and healthcare fraud. Let's turn our attention first to healthcare fraud. Welcome, Rick.
1: Hi. How are you doing, Dylan? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm here with Rick Velada. He's one of our reporters for Vegas, Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. and You wrote the recent cover story for Vegas, Inc., all about healthcare fraud in Nevada and nationally. There's a couple different kinds and... Big impact on us both locally and across the country. Let's talk about what healthcare fraud is specifically first, and we'll go from there.
1: There's there's actually a number of different uh, frauds involved in. Uh, well, first of all, let's start with it: the fact that it's an insurance fraud. This, these are insurance companies that are being defrauded by individuals, whether they be uh, uh, clients or else, elsewhere. When you get into the specifics of medical fraud, we're talking about. Uh, the potential of doctors and patients that are defrauding uh, insurance companies, um, you know, and, and there's there's a lot of different angles about this, and and, and part of it is that um, I, I think on the surface many people just have this this all they already have an expectation that insurance companies are bad, so if we can if we can somehow get some extra money out of them for for whatever reason. Um, then that's a, that's a good thing for us uh, being consumers. Well, of course, the, the insurance companies don't look at it that way. They look at it as being um, you need to qualify for the different things that, that they are paying for and that the insurance premiums that you pay for uh, take care of. So it, it's one of those things that right on the surface you, you're going to have some tension simply because there are some people who don't really like insurance companies even though they have to deal with them on a regular basis.
0: And the frauds can be everything from you know saying claiming you got services or treatments that you didn't slipping and falling quote unquote right. um, uh, the the scammers are much smarter than i am so there's <laughs> countless ones out there Yeah
1: you know, and, and one of the the big ones i think that that came to light um recently was uh somebody who was uh uh tr- being treated for uh for breast cancer and one of the uh medical professionals over at Uh, uh, Michael Callahan Hospital over at uh, Mandela's Air Force Base, uh, there was a a situation there where there was uh, some additional services that were being provided for cash under the table. And this was brought to the attention of um, our Attorney General's office uh, through uh, through some medical investigators, some medical insurance investigators and they found that what was happening was that Um, uh, an individual was uh, offering uh, cancer treatments and also breast augmentations and taking cash for the augmentation part and then filing the the entire uh, case as a cancer uh, treatment. So, that's one of the the, the many areas, and a, as you pointed out, Dylan, there's there's a number of different uh, schemes that are out there for people to try to defraud these insurance companies, and it takes a lot of uh, vigilance on on behalf of the insurance companies to find these, and that's that's part of what the story is all about.
0: Now, and this is big business in 2009, which is already several years ago. It was 175 billion with a B dollars um, that was fraudulent uh, towards these insurance companies. And for every dollar they spend fighting fraud, which as you mentioned is very expensive, still even so they save $11 in fraudulent claims. So it's it's well worth their while. You talked to some of the investigators. How do they... Find these fraudulent claims and nab the bad guys.
1: There's a there's a number of different ways where they where they get leads on these types of things, and probably not surprisingly, some of them actually come from um, within the medical community, people who are basically snitching on some of their their colleagues. Uh, and of course, they the investigators check out these leads, but then there are the ones that are really sophisticated that really take some. Um, uh, you know a little bit more sophistication to find and what they do is they use computer models uh, they set up a program that kind of uh, uh, looks at the big picture on what types of claims are being uh, submitted by certain doctors they look at uh, the pattern of of claims that are being submitted they they look at uh, uh, specific individual doctors and how they submit and what they do is they look for aberrations they look for uh, a computer generated uh, file that will, will kick out something that says, you know, this is worth looking into because of these patterns that we discover. So then from there, the investigators actually start to ask the questions. They they make inquiries with the office that's in question. They talk to the doctors and, and the uh, medical professionals within that office to find out exactly what's going on. And maybe it's going to be something that's justified. Maybe it's something that's completely above board and there's just a mistake in how it was filed or there may be some um, uh, other circumstances in which it's a legitimate claim. So that's uh, that's something that they say, good, good for you. You've, you've filed this correctly. You filed it properly. We're going to move on to something else. But then there are some where it actually turns up some um, some illegal activity. And when the medical investigators find these, then they have to uh, do some additional digging, and that's where some of the partnerships come in, uh, involved with other people in, within government. You've got your police agencies, which actually do these types of investigations, and uh, among the, the biggest right now involve uh, frauds involving the uh, medications, and, and these are our legal. Um, medicines that are being prescribed, but they're being used as uh, as like recreational drugs almost.
0: Like Oxycontin. Oxycontin, yes. Hills. Big
1: problem, big problem. So the DEA often gets involved with these types of things. Uh, so what, what happens is that uh, uh, an investigator will, will uh, uh, ask for some assistance from some of these uh, types of agents. They will build case files and they'll try to build evidence. Uh, and once they feel like they have the evidence in place, that's where the third part of it comes in, and that's the uh, prosecutors. In, in in the case of the state of Nevada, we're talking about uh, the Nevada Attorney General's office, and uh, they have limited resources on how many of these types of cases they can take. But at the same time, they'll they'll take the ones that are pretty, you know, airtight, the ones that are that they're quite sure they're going to get some kind of a, of a prosecution. So the the prosecution rate's extremely high. Um, but there really isn't very as many as, as I'm sure the insurance agencies would like to have. They'd like to see all of them rooted out, but unfortunately, they can't uh, get to every one of them because there are only a handful of attorneys that are assigned to these types of cases.
0: And last year, that was about fewer than 100 um, right. cases that were actually prosecuted. And for Nevada, we're a model state, according to the people you talk to. I mean, we're... Doing really good job about prosecuting these. A place like California, New York, some of the bigger states, um, just really don't have the manpower. So God knows how many cases and the costs we're really accruing.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the things where that the uh, that the uh, insurance investigators noted was that um, uh, Nevada uh, does have a lot of cooperative spirit going behind it. They the the different uh, um, entities that are involved in these investigations from the. Uh, insurance investigator to the DEA agents, to the uh, attorney general's office, and also the U.S. attorney's office, they actually sit down once a quarter and they talk about these things so that they can prioritize which types of cases uh, they want to, to pursue. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the, the cases that we just referenced, the, uh, the abuse of prescription drugs, the OxyContin, and, and those types of painkillers is high on the DEA's uh, priority list. And uh, certainly the uh, uh, insurance investigators want to, to address those things as well. But they also want to address some of the big ticket items that uh, take a lot out of the pockets of the uh, of the insurance companies. So they're going to be lobbying for those. But the, the fact is they talk to each other. In a lot of other states, um, uh, you know, you, you referenced California. That's one of them where uh, the investigator that, uh, that I spoke uh, to uh, from the um, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, group. The, uh, they, they actually do business in Colorado and California in addition to Nevada. So he has a, a kind of a firsthand look at it, and he said that part of the problem in California is that there's so many large population areas that there's uh, a lot of rivalries that go on and people aren't on the same page. But here in Nevada, it seems like the, the teamwork is paying off and that uh, even though they don't get a large number of these frauds um, uh, adjudicated, They get enough that it's going to satisfy some of the financial requirements of the insurance company to have it done.
0: Well, that's a good thing. And I'd like to read some statistics that I found to be pretty shocking. Um, We started out this conversation with you saying essentially that people don't really feel bad all the time doing this because the insurance companies in their minds are deserve it, overcharge, et cetera. So with that in mind... um, One in 10 people, one in 10, think it's okay to submit a claim for an injury that never occurred. One in four people said that it's perfectly fine to defraud an insurance company. One in three doctors, and these are doctors, Say that fraud is necessary for them to deliver good service to their patients one in three thirty three percent and one in ten doctors reported that they faked symptoms or treatments to get um, their patients the care they they thought they needed. I just find those to be so staggering. I mean so basically very many of our Colleagues and, uh, are don't care.
1: Right. They, they, those come from an association that studies uh, insurance fraud problems, not not just um, not just medical, but also uh, some of the other things like um, uh, car accident frauds. Which I guess is <laughs> the, the, that's the that's the fraud du jour right now. Is that a lot of people are stopping short in front of semis, which I even I can't even conceptualize wanting to do that to get a new car. No. Uh, but at the same time. Um, I guess it happens all the time, and, and these guys have to, to track these things down, and they, they keep records on it. But but you're right, Dylan. It's it's quite shocking to see such a high number of people who feel like fraud is, is okay to do. And, you you know, you think about um, uh, the cost of health care and, and how much it hits every one of us in our pockets when we see our premiums every month um, – that, that's the type of thing that they're trying to, to, to stay down. And, and that's what keeps these, these investigators going. They, they recognize that um, they're having an impact on the cost of health care. It might be minimal, but with every case that they get adjudicated their way, they feel like they've got one little minor victory that's going to uh, perhaps uh, keep it just a little less expensive for all of us in the long haul.
0: Well, keep fighting the good fight, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. Um, great. For those of us just joining us, you're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Dylan Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. and in the Las Vegas Sun, and I'm speaking today with reporter Rick Vallada. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about Nevada's slogan. It's been years in the making and quite a lot of dollars uh, in the making as well. Right or wrong, you decide, our listeners. Um, but we finally have it: Nevada, a world within, a state apart. What does that mean?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that and that is un- unfortunately that is probably one of the weaknesses of of the campaign is that. It almost has to be explained to people as to what that means. And basically what it is is it's reflective of the independent spirit that people in Nevada have. Um, we are um, uh, definitely uh, individualists. We we definitely like our freedoms here in the state. And we do things our own way. We do things differently. And that's what the the, the message is trying to convey. But, I, you know, I, I think that I've talked to a, you know dozens of people about this. And those uh, those words really don't convey that as well as they could, uh, and especially when you have a, a short catchphrase like that, the the idea is to try to get it immediately. And I, I don't think that you get it immediately when you when you hear that phrase. Now that's that's me talking, and that's people who are, are critical talking. Uh, of course, uh, you know the state looks at it a different way. They're looking at this as being. Uh, a brand that is going to not only bring tourists here, but is going to be used in a multitude of uh, state departments, uh, including uh, the Department of uh, the Governor's Office of Economic Development. They want people to realize that we do things differently in the state, that we are independent thinkers, that you have access to your uh, to your lawmakers, and that you can get things done quickly here. They they think that this message is going to help convey that, and I. Again, I'm skeptical, but but let, let's, let's just go with it that that's what they think is going to happen. They also feel like uh, it's a good tourism mark because um, it conveys the, the many different things that we have in Nevada. There's north, there's south, there's rural, there's urban, there's Vegas, there's Tahoe. Um, all these different things are, um, um, you know, they're, they're dualities here in the state that I think a lot of us that live here Already know that, and we already appreciate it, but they're trying to convey that message to people who might want to visit that there's more to do in Las Vegas and in uh, the state of Nevada than just go to a casino you can do a lot of things outdoors. W- one of the things that really strikes me about this campaign, the way they're putting it together is that are they're really trying to address younger people, which is um, which is I think is a good thing. We need to get some people to to come in here. Rather than the old guard that that comes and represents our our um, uh, casino clientele and, and we're you know this isn't you know brand new this is something that has been going on for years you know witness the uh the fact that uh, nightclubs are so popular and that they attract uh, a clientele of younger people too but this directly is uh you know it's right in the sweet spot of the of the young uh professional because they're also rolling out a bunch of technology that you know some of the up-and-comers are going to have, like mobile apps on on on, on phones. Now, I, I have apps on my phone, so I, I kind of can comply a little bit here too. But the fact is, is that a lot of people uh, that are in the older generation, the you, you might call them the old school Las uh, Las Vegas and Nevada visitor. Um, they may not go for that type of stuff. But at the same time, they know that the people who are young and mobile are the ones who are going to be using these apps. And they're the ones who are going to be booking trips on websites and looking at uh, information that they get from uh, from the websites that are being developed. And those are the the new people that we're trying to to attract. So I I see kind of where they're going. I'm just not quite convinced that they hit the home run that something like what happens here stays here did.
0: Right. Absolutely. And this has been, you know, like you said, two years essentially in the making. We've had two companies um, nationally renowned. Tagline companies. This isn't their first rodeo. Um, right. That have been working on these slogans. The first company essentially got fired because people weren't happy with what they came up with. So we've had two two companies take an attempt at this. It's cost um, millions of dollars for these campaigns. Uh, there's some debate as to exactly how many millions, but um, it doesn't come cheap. Although you know they hope that the payoff is going to be great. And we came up with a world within a state apart. I think I'm in that target audience that they're probably trying to aim. And to me, it doesn't have the same ring as, you know, I love New York, I heart New York, Virginia's for lovers. Um, I could be wrong, but our readers came out in spades online to say what they thought about the um, slogan. And many of them, I think like us, were left a little bit scratching their heads. I'm going to read a couple of the slogans they came up with for free and uh, tell me what you think Um one is Nevada. We're always open, seeming to uh, refer to hour. our- yeah. Yeah, exactly, our 24-hour lifestyle. This is a, a, a personal favorite. Come for the booze, the gambling, and the hookers. Stay for the booze, the gambling, and the hookers. Don't know if that's something we want to put on T-shirts. I, I, I'm,
1: not some, I'm, I'm not sure that that's something that the-, uh, uh, that the Casino industry would appreciate because uh, that implies some illegalities that they could lose their gaming licenses over.
0: Good point. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we have legal gambling, legal prostitution. What more could you
1: ask for? Legal the- prostitution in all but Clark and Washoe counties. I might add. Good
0: point. A slight technicality, Rick. I right. mean, come on. Um, this one's uh, much more G-rated Nevada. Don't bet against us.
1: I kind of like that one a little bit.
0: I do, too. I think it's pretty simple. It says it all. It doesn't have to refer to gambling, although it's clearly got that that reference there. Um, Nevada, take a walk on our wild side.
1: That kind of implies that uh, the outdoors, which is something that they are trying to address, they're trying to get people out of doors instead of just in the, in the casinos and Certainly, the first advertisements that were that are being rolled out in conjunction with this uh, this campaign reflect that uh, quite a bit. Absolutely,
0: and then this is again a silly one, although I personally love it. Nevada, come back to where you were conceived.
1: <laughs> oh, that that's that's kind of got some connotations. Like what happens here stays here,
0: right? Exactly. Um,
1: so How about mine? Did you like mine? Mine was uh, that uses using the Nevada postal code with envy, you know. Um, you know, we're the envy of the country.
0: Absolutely. I thought that was a brilliant one as well, Rick. I mean, maybe you'd get a raise from your job at the Vegas Inc. by coming up with the state slogan.
1: Wow, that would be something.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't imagine how much that could be. Um, do you think we're going to grow to love our new slogan, Nevada, the world within, a state apart? Are we just being grumpy, or do you think this will fizzle in the end?
1: Well, I, I think that initially people, there are going to be all kinds of critics that are going to come out, and they're initially going to absolutely hate it um i think a lot of it's going to depend on just how the state um utilizes this uh slogan i mean if they if they're you know r- right now when they when they get this criticism i think one of the first things you do is you kind of back away from it i think if the governor and the other and the tourism commission and others back away from it there's no chance however if they keep after it and they they keep explaining what it is Um, that maybe it will grow on us. I I don't know. Um, I think we all have a lot of skepticism at this point, but at the same time, um, you know, it sometimes just takes a little getting used to. And then uh, who knows that, you know, according to some of the research that uh, Burson-Marsteller did, you know, 70, more than 70% of the people that they contacted outside of Nevada actually liked it. So maybe they know something that we don't know in terms of... uh, of the appeal what what nevada means to them. Right. So um, they are the professionals. Well, and, and 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 then also they're they're the target audience. Those are the ones that we want to come here in the first place. Right. True. So if um, if they if they find something about that slogan that draws them in, uh, more t- more power to the uh, to the slogan, I guess.
0: And just real simply, why not recycle our most slogan ever what happens here stays here. Why not make that our State tagline.
1: Well, uh, part part of it is because that's specifically for Las Vegas. That this right. this uh, this is for the whole state of Nevada, and they, they recognize that uh, not everything about Las Vegas is Nevada. You know, we, we live down here, so we see it, and this is our life every day. Um, but but that doesn't ring true for some of these rural communities. It doesn't ring true for Reno, for example. And I, I think that. The, the, the Tourism Commission, in its efforts, is trying to be inclusive of those outlying areas. They they feel that that Las Vegas is going to do just fine with its own slogan, with what happens here stays here. And the, the more people that come to Las Vegas as a result of that, the better, because some of the people who pay... Uh, their, uh, their hotel taxes, uh, when they come to stay in Las Vegas, that eventually filters through the Tourism Commission, so that they're, they're going to be happy about that. But as far as a mark that is inclusive of everybody in the state, they feel that something a little bit more uh, conservative is probably better for them, and that's why you don't see what happens here stays here being adopted as a statewide brand. It's, it's something that's more you know Las Vegas-centric.
0: Gotcha. Well, we'll be happy to keep it here in Las Vegas. It, it's worked for us. Thank you so much, Rick.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Rick Velades, is a reporter for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage at VegasInc.com and LasVegasSun.com. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5, The Source. Joining us now is reporter Ed Comenda. Welcome, Ed. Thank you for having me. So you've been looking into the issue of telecommuting. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a hot topic nationally and locally over the last couple of months. Um, The Yahoo CEO sort of started off the the conversation by uh, banning employees who work from home, and it went from there. Tell us... A little bit about what you found
2: out well just starting at the beginning uh, yahoo ceo marissa mayor um, when she took her job as ceo of yahoo she was expecting a child so uh, from that point forward she was kind of the role model to working women you know here's this pregnant woman taking the reins at a major tech company in silicon valley um she could do it you know we could do it and So she had a nursery built next to her office for her newborn son. And then she immediately banned her own employees from working at home.
0: And she didn't offer the nursery to their kids. No, she? no, she
2: didn't. That that wasn't in any of their, um, their their policies. But so there was this major debate happening, a, a major uproar from particularly stay-at-home moms um, or, or women that work from home, uh, saying this isn't right. Um, so, not long after that, uh, the CEO of Best Buy uh, dismantles his. Flexible work program and does the same exact thing. Um, depending on who you ask, uh, telecommuting can be a godsend for companies because numerous research has shown that allowing employees to work where they want uh, can save money. Um, happier br-
0: people. Happier people, yeah.
2: Less turnover, more productivity, um, less space to pay for these brick and mortar office spaces that, um, that cost money. Um, so, um, the, the thing that kind of came out of all of this, uh, we could hang it locally. Is Tony Shay wrote a column for uh, CNN Money, and Tony Shay is this you know um, internet uh, entrepreneur, studied computer science at Harvard, is kind of a fixture of downtown Las Vegas, you know, um, and he comes out and says that. He agrees, you know, uh, you need people to be in the office interacting, colliding with one another to uh, come up with better ideas. And
0: he's sort of the guru to happy employee mindset and uh, good workplaces. So I I found that surprising, personally.
2: Absolutely. But you see, my own opinion on the thing is you have a tech company um, that isn't particularly... in the community other than their websites and things. And Tony Hsieh, uh wants his employees out in the community uh, at one point, you know, and um, Kind of, he wants his employees to be faces that are recognizable, uh, because that builds into their three C's, which is clothing, customer service, and culture. And he says that he values culture the most, and that's what Marissa Mayer and, and Best Buy uh, are also going for. This culture that fosters these serendipitous moments that um, that um, you know the best ideas come from. So.
0: And what are the arguments against telecommuting, that I'm going to sit on my couch all day and eat Cheetos and pretend to work?
2: There have been some studies that say that even employees, uh, employees that work at an office, they still waste about two hours a day. So the thinking is that if you're at home you're going to waste even more. You're right, you're going to grab the the can of Pringles and you're going to flip on uh Regis and Michael and and watch that and not really get any work done. Um but like I said there's all these studies that that show um more and more people are doing it. Uh I think between 2005 and 2011 there was like a 70 more 73% increase in, in the number of workers working uh, full-time from home, and there's also been less turnover at a lot of these companies that allow it. So,
0: And I know this is um, your mean editor uh, signed you a hard story and that a lot of companies kept this information close to the vest. They didn't want to talk about this.
2: Well, you see what's interesting and what I found, and this is uh, kind of an inside baseball type of thing, is when you have offices in, say, Las Vegas, That's not where their headquarters are. So you're calling an office that offers telecommuting in Las Vegas, but they're actually based in Santa Barbara, Carlsbad, or Silicon Valley. So um, a lot of them sometimes don't know uh, who to really talk to about that. So you're kind of (laughs) trying to figure out who to exactly talk to, but a lot of them didn't want anything to do with it.
0: Did you get a sense, do you think, any guesses as to Las Vegas, whether we have more companies who require their workers to be at their desks or vice versa?
2: Um, You know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, company town. And and a lot of that, most of the jobs here are on the strip. They require that, um, that employee being there. I mean, places like stations and Boyd gaming, they market themselves on their employees being there and being accessible and spending a lot of time there. Um, So, I would say Las Vegas doesn't really stand out as a place that uh outside of Tony Shea's project um is leading this charge. You know.
0: Makes sense. You can't deliver yeah. a drink or a smile I guess no. from your couch.
2: No, unless there's Skype, you know, Skype computers on on uh, rolling wheels, you know, going <laughs> through the resorts. But
0: maybe yeah. that'll be in the future. Yeah,
2: maybe. Maybe.
0: So, Great. Well, thanks so much, Ed. You're welcome. Ed Comenda is a gaming reporter for Vegas, Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow us coverage at VegasInc.com or Lasvegasun.com. This is Vegas, Inc. Radio. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5, The Source, as part of Waking Up With the Sun. I'm your host, Ellen Goldberg, business editor of Vegas, Inc. Thanks to Steven Zeller, our producer, and the entire KUNV team. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day.